and no. Jesse. Shout basic- out to my Uber driver that said. Dog- what me. the fuck? What is that? What is that? Did you do that? No. I didn't do that. You are absolutely doing that somehow. I'm not doing that. You're. I can hear that you're smiling. I'm not. <laughs> Uh-huh. One second. I don't know what that is. I pro hey, I swear on our friendship that's on me. I'm not doing it on I, besides Zoom, I only have one tab open and it's a document. It is not me. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that Oh, I know what that is. Uh-huh. I bet you do. I figured it out. My roommate, I believe, uh connected his phone. Oh, <sighs> I know what it is. <laughs> hey, we're off to a great start. This podcast two, is amazing. It's a two, beautiful gift. Now that we're recording two podcasts, I have two, and every single time there's an audio issue, and every single time one of you is like, "Must must be you." And guess what? No, it isn't. Never, never has been. Not once. <laughs> It's all true. Everything she's saying is true. <laughs> Are we, am I going to have to, so uh, Benny has discovered um, animal uh, faces. Benny has discovered filters in Zoom. No, I'm in the metaverse. This is the metaverse. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm live in the metaverse now. And uh, I guess I have to talk to a fox the whole time. Um, so <laughs> We're all falling in the metaverse. All right, I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to be something else, I guess. Is there only animals? Well, I think that this is a great way to tell stories. Yeah, animals. Honestly, it's not bad. Uh. Oh, and by the way, welcome to spell you later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have. This is the pre. The pre stuff. Why is my tongue always out with this one? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, why does it track your tongue? <laughs> to make it more real. Classic rust. Okay, this is, I think this is the one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's start the show. Great. Hi, welcome to Spell You Later. Welcome to Spell You Later. This uh, <laughs> super normal episode. It's a very normal time. <laughs> um, so you know, on top of the fact that every time we record, it's like the first time in a month that we've done it, and have to kind of relearn how. We also have discovered Zoom 
filters and we're talking to each other as a bear and a raccoon mm -hmm. so it, this is only gonna be fuckery from here on out i am gonna keep the sunglasses oh. on okay um, yeah. okay hey um, <laughs> yeah welcome to the show everyone welcome, welcome back to, to another show. episode of spell you later this is hey it's a loosey-goosey feel this week why because we're telling stories so it's kind of loosey-goosey episode yeah. yeah um so we Last time was kind of a research-heavy one, mm -hmm. so I thought, I don't want to do that this time. Let's mm -hmm. just tell each other spooky, scary stories and get in the mood for the Halloween season. Hmm. And uh, at first, I was like, hey, let's let's do, like, urban legends. Uh, but I found it surprisingly hard to, like find stories that either weren't just like some random reddit thread or so yeah i found it surprisingly difficult to find something that was like both interesting and not super super well known so uh most of mine are are monsters i grabbed three but i have additional sources on my phone if we need to fill time i have two cool and it's uh one is about i can't tell you anything about it, and the other one is aliens whoa okay okay uh well would you like me to go first then and we can alternate yes, okay. yes. let's the like sandwich mine in between yes. yours that's the yeah. best way and then we'll see how much time we have left over at the end or maybe we'll do some extra uh, yeah maybe we'll, yeah, do, some maybe we'll do some extra okay mm. my first my first spooky scares maybe i'm gonna try to remember to edit in like uh like cricket noises like atmosphere i'll make them Ooh, yeah no i don't think i want to take you up on that this i'll know i'll make i'll make all this don't worry guys it's just gonna be you going <laughs> in the background i'll put the mic over here so you can faintly hear it you'll mm -hmm. just be able to faintly hear it ribbit ribbit Perfect. I'm just going to loop that over and over yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom doesn't like that. It's cutting you out. Oh, do we not have original? Uh, I do. Okay. Okay, we're good. Okay. My first story. It is called The Portlock Sasquatch, A Man-Eating Bigfoot? But I'm reading it like it's A Man-Eating Bigfoot? What? Not clickbait? Man's eating Bigfoot. All right, let's read this story. <clears throat> we started off in a silly mood, and that's probably not the vibe, but oh no, well. we're like trying to be like, all right, now let's get scared. Let's get scary. Portlock Village in Port Chatham Bay, Alaska, is 124 miles south of the state's most populous city, Anchorage. Nobody lives in Portlock now. In the 1940s, the village was abandoned after the occupants were attacked and in some cases brutally killed by something which came from the woods. The stories of what attacked the small salmon canning settlement mostly revolve around a large and hairy beast that haunted the dark spaces beyond the tree line at the edge of the village. Whatever it was, it was extremely aggressive and deadly to anyone caught out on their own. The first of the strange occurrences started in 1905 
when people from the village were harassed by a large animal, which bothered their camps at night. The work, <gasps> the work continued into the next season, and the cannery workers came back. But the issue remained, and whatever was out there returned as well. In addition, various groups of gold miners and hunters used to head to the mountains for their work. Some of them Wait, never came gold miners, back. hunters, and canners? Yeah. So there's a bunch of canners out in the woods? Yeah. What the fuck? Well, no, they're is going. going this, is a, this is a salmon canning settlement. Okay, and then there's gold miners and cow. This story's got everything. It got every every old timey thing. It's just a group of canners, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like it's like the only time you see that now is like a bunch of old ladies, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, is that hey? This is a little. It's a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. Anyways, Some back, of the back to Sasquatch. Back to Sasquatch. I apologize. This is Sasquatch. Uh. Some of them never came back. But thank you, Sasquatch. <laughs> thank you, Sasquatch. Some of them never came back. But accidents were not uncommon, and nothing was proven until 1931. <gasps> in that year, a local woodchopper alone in the forest was found murdered. The man had been killed by a single ferocious blow far more devastating than could have been inflicted by a single human being. <laughs> I love the sound effects, thank you. Uh, a group of hunters out stalking moose came across the giant footprints of some big animal. That's a big foot. The area around the footprints was torn up with tree branches destroyed and blood found at the scene. But the trail of moose ended abruptly here, and there was no sign of either animal. The size- I scrolled too far. The size of the found footprints was more than 18 inches long. Whatever oh, I've had seen that before. Nope, you haven't. Whatever had attacked the moose, it was the only set of See that tracks. quite often, actually. Nope. Uh, I, know, I actually know exactly how Not long even kind is. of. It's Whatever, exactly it's not even close. Whatever had attacked the moose. It was the only set of tracks leading from the site of the attack until they were lost in the rock-filled terrain. Soon, other such footprints were reported around the village, and worse. A resident of the village happened to see a huge and hairy man destroying the fish wheels used to process salmon that he described as looking like a devil. The fish wheels were <laughs> near the beach. The fish wheels looked like devils? <laughs> No, the thing that destroyed the fish wheels look like devils. Not my fish wheels. Dude, fish wheels. Dude. <laughs> the fish wheels were near the beach, away from the witness's shack. The resident rushed to get his gun, and when he returned, he saw the beast staring at him. Then the beast suddenly walked away without harming the resident. Then bodies started appearing around the village. Many were washed into the bay from the rivers that fed it, suggesting the people, trappers and miners, had been surprised and killed in the hills and forests above Portlock. The cannery plant posted armed guards to attempt to keep the cannery open, but it was no use. Fear took root in the population at the loss of so many lives, and people started to leave the village. The last residents fled in 1950, and the village lay abandoned. Whatever lived in the woods above Portlock and whatever had killed all the people, it had won. 
That's a good story. Hell yeah. Alright, my turn! Your turn! Dude, this is like youth group camp stories. Now, that's the like, vibe. Alright, it's your turn now. You Now, now it's your turn. You try. You, right, you, you get the talking try. stick. <laughs> okay, okay, let's all okay. be respectful of Benny, okay? No talking. Listen, we know, yes, Benny's a little annoying sometimes when you're telling your stories. We know sometimes it takes Benny a long time to pronounce words, but he'll sound it out. <laughs> he will get there. Yeah. His phonetics have gotten much better. <laughs> I have to find it. There it is. So, I picked one particular story because it has to do with a weird blending of two of our favorite things oh okay mm -hmm. that's why i picked this one sports and ghosts no <laughs> catholicism oh you'd love catholicism i love it all right and as with many catholic colleges around the country notre dame mm. is filled with ghostly legends and haunted tales I so much. Imagine. I mean, dude, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the hunchback. <laughs> rumors about stuff, you know. Yeah. And while there are believed to be many spots on campus that give people the shivers, perhaps none is better known than Washington Hall. Mm, woo. There have been there have reportedly been several deaths in or near the building over its multi-century existence, including a professor, a steeplejack, and student and football star, George Gipp. A steeplejack? Yeah. What does that mean, do you think? <laughs> um <laughs> hey, hey Siri. What is a steeplejack? Okay, I found this on the web for what is the full jack. Check it out. No. She doesn't know. I don't know what a steeplejack is either. I'm assuming it's like the guy who lives in the steeples. I get maybe he fixes stuff. Like the handyman. They calm down and they're like, Oh, fridge is broken again, steeplejack. <laughs> He's like, That's I do steeples exclusively. <laughs> Or he's a guy who just is, like, constantly jacking off in steeples. Oh, I don't know why they keep him around. It's the only way to keep the devil away. Mm. Ancient Catholic tradition. You lock one guy up in the steeples, and he's just furiously masturbating. Like, constantly? All day long. Oh, it's a, it's a, fun. It's a test of courage and will for the Lord. Yeah, go ahead and keep telling me the ghost <laughs> You sure you don't hear about these steeplejacks nah. anymore? Nah. They paint the walls. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. That's not ectoplasm. Uh. <laughs> as. Wait, wait, wait. There's actually. So George Gipp. Yes. The Gipper. Oh no. As in. Win one for the Gipper himself. You never hold an old, or ever heard like an old man say, "Hey, you got to win one for the Gipper." No. Yeah, me neither. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means. 
I just assumed it was some kind of sports thing. Yeah, I'm sick. I'm guessing it is, dude. Old people will whip out some weird lingo. You yeah. know? It's and we're gonna be doing that with like dope one day, you know? Sure. As the popular legend goes, the twenty five year old Gip, a senior, stayed out past curfew one night and was locked out of his dorm building upon his return. It was a cold late autumn night, but he had nowhere to go, so he slept on the steps outside of Washington Hall, a performing art and music venue. And see, that's why I have issues with liberals on campus. Just performance arts majors, it's oh, like you're taking sleeping. away money from the athletic department, dude. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. If they would what just good, cut yeah. liberal arts in mm-hmm. all of schooling, uh, this quarterback would still be alive. Yeah, he would have slept outside the gym, and maybe he'd still, yeah. Maybe he'd be stronger, you know? Yeah. He'd wake mm-hmm. up and be back in the gym, you know? That's what we want. That's what I want out of my quarterback, and I know that's what you want as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I always do. Yeah, I, that's like I say. Anyways, like just to wrap up that little tangent, this podcast supports cutting the arts. Nope. <laughs> we do. We hope they that. all get nope. cut. Mm-mm. Yep. We want to cut the arts in all of schools. No more arts for you guys. Get a real job, you fucking hippies. The next day. (laughs) Says the stand-up comedian. I I love being being on this podcast. Uh, The next day, he contracted pneumonia and ultimately died from infection soon after but not before reportedly delivering his famous plea to his coach, Newt Rockney, from his oh, deathbed. No. Okay. So, first of all, uh, Newt Rockney. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> That's a real man's name, and he was a football coach at no. Notre Dame. No. Newt Rockney. No. All the guys would be like, hey, oh, watch out, Rockney's coming down the street. <laughs> be like, call me Newt, guys. And what did he say to good old Newt? Uh, when Newt rockin' comes walkin', you're in for a sockin'. I don't think that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Nope. Many believe Gip never left Washington Hall and that he <laughs> continues to haunt the building to this day. Wait, you weren't making that up. What? Didn't you say he delivered last words to the coach? It doesn't say what they are. No, yeah, he said when new comes walking, that's prepare for a socket. That's what he said. That was no. your last verse. It says it right here. I don't think so. Huh? It's all written out in a rope times new. Did you Roman. make up this story? <laughs> I turn around the phone. No, you wouldn't have put the steeple person if you made it up. Steeple Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I had to stumble on. Although I, that, I, that would be a good tactic. Is just pepper in some weird terminology. Oh yeah, just to throw you off the rhythm. Yeah. Well, hey, we're just getting started because we just uh-huh. found out the guy who's haunting this place. It actually is pretty short. We're almost done. <laughs> Students, staff, and faculty members have reported the uncanny feeling of a presence despite being alone. Unexplained footsteps, 
frequently moved objects, the rustling of curtains, the sound of brass instruments, with no one visibly playing them. <laughs> the spookiest of all sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's just like... <laughs> so the ghost of legendary senior quarterback George Gipp... He also into trumpet like what? maybe he was like i got all this free time i'm gonna pick up the trumpet in maybe. the afterlife yeah you know? mm -hmm. i guess he died on the steps of a performing arts dude mm, that's true he absorbed the music <laughs> he died and was reborn as a trumpet yeah. wow what a life what a life for george gip man of many talents yeah uh no one visibly playing them Countless student reporters, as well as professional ghost hunters. Oh, Felicia's. About those guys, uh, have spent nights. That feels judgmental. I've spent. You know, all about those guys, <laughs> top to bottom. <laughs> what are you implying? Cracks and crevices. No. I've spent. We all know you have a thing for ghost no, hunters, like... okay? <laughs> yeah, we all know. We all oh, know no. Felicia's. It's like ghost uh, hunters that you are like quarterbacks to cheerleaders. No. <laughs> no. You ate how good that was. You ate no. how accurate that is. No. It, it sucks. It's okay. I have I spent to go. Nights... <laughs> <laughs> I've spent nights in the hall hoping to make contact with lurking ghosts and document their efforts without much concrete evidence. Wow, good is at the end. <laughs> It can be. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't read through it once. This is I'm reading through the first time as well with you. I saw Notre Dame and I, I let's roll with it. I just want to know why the quarterback uh, has the trumpet sounds that announce his presence. I think that it's like they said a lot of people died around this hall. So okay. maybe it wasn't just the quarterback, but they needed to trick. It was an ESPN article, so they needed to trick people like me. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. probably. Because if like I, this... if a quarterback hadn't died, I'd be like, oh, so a bunch of liberal, awoke liberal <laughs> college students are dying around. Many can't food. read a story that's not about a sport, even like tangentially. No, it can't happen. <laughs> oh, everybody clap for Benny. Yay! <laughs> I, I'm not lying. I'm having a great time on this episode. Perfect. Wonderful. Uh, okay, my next story. This one is about... The how, are you, how are you doing, Felicia? How are you I'm, doing? I'm positively great. How are you doing? <laughs> how do you feel about the way this camp story episode is going? Listen, we started off with a weird energy, and it's just going to roll. Dude, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, hit me with it. What's next? Uh, this story is about the Enfield monster. One night in 1973, the two, <laughs> the two young McDaniel children of Enfield, Illinois, claimed to see a weird creature looking, lurking in their yard and trying to get in the house. But Father Henry McDaniel chopped their creepy story up to active imagination of children, as the the naive dad typically does in these kind of stories. However, 
He changed his mind later that night. After being awoken by strange scratching sounds, McDaniel grabbed a gun and flashlight and peered outside his front door. There, between two rose bushes, he saw a creature that was almost like a human body, just as his kids had described. It had three legs, a short body, two little short arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights, he recounted to a reporter. McDaniel said he fired four shots and was sure he hit the creature at least once, causing it to make a hiss, much like a wildcat's, before it ran off toward a railway embankment. McDaniel was stunned when he saw the monstrous beast jump 80 feet in three jumps before quickly running out of sight. The police found scratches on the door screen as well as footprints in the dirt near McDaniel's home and that looked dog-like with six toe pads, yet no clues pointed to an unusual creature. McDaniel's sight, uh, sighting made the Reading Eagle, uh, which I assume is a newspaper, but the it was reading clear, <laughs> the Reading Eagle, but it was clear most people didn't believe it was true. It didn't help that a 10-year-old neighbor faked his own eyewitness account of the beast only to later admit that his testimony was a prank against the McDaniels. Fucking narc. Uh, McDaniel reported two more sightings of the alleged beast to local cops, but he said they eventually threatened him with jail time because nobody believed what he saw had been real. But McDaniel was adamant and stood behind his scary true story. If they don't... I'm gonna do his... If they don't find it, McDaniel said in an interview, they will find more than one and they won't be from this planet, I can tell you that. <laughs> After McDaniel's public testimony about the Enfield monster, other eyewitnesses claimed began to surface. Monster hunters swarmed the town and at least five men were arrested after firing shots in the area and claiming to have photographed the creature. To this day, no explanation has been uncovered for this small-town creepy story. Eyes the size of flashlights. <laughs> Dude, yeah. and the Reading Eagle sounds like it's trying to hunt down Spider-Man. It might be. The Reading Eagle sounds like the school newspaper, and the kids pick the name based on their mascot. Yeah. Or a, a like mo white militia groups newsletter. Yeah. The Reading Eagle. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Watching a Confederate flag or something. Hey, it's All your right. turn. I have an alien story. Hell yeah. Not those kind. Uh, this is a story of my father's. Your father's. It happened in 1982 while my father was stationed on a military base in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. One night, my father's best friend and his girlfriend left just after dark to go see Tron at a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Me and my dad both love Tron. About an hour later, the friend and his girlfriend were back on the base. The car pulled in. And my father immediately noticed that it was damaged pretty badly and covered in several different colors of paint. My father asked them what had happened, why they had not gone to the movie. They brushed him off and went to bed. A few days later, my father got his friend to tell him what happened. They were driving along a stretch of highway and they noticed lights coming from over a hill just ahead. 
where no lights should be because there was nothing around for miles. Nothing for This is what my dad told me. Just at the base of that hill was a parking lot for a park. A bunch of cars were pulling into the parking lot to investigate the lights, so my father's friend pulled up it, pulled in too. Everyone got out of their cars and was about to start hiking to the top of the hill when a large disc with flashing lights rose above the hill's peak and emitted a loud, strange sound. It sounded like this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Several cars got banged up and everyone's panicked to get away. Thus the transfer of paint. My father's friend drove back to the base as fast as possible. A few days later, men in black suits showed up on the base looking for the people. They talked to my father's friend and then they sent him on his way. My father asked him what the men wanted to see him for. The men told the friend that he better shut up and say nothing about anything that happened. Oh, shit. If he wanted to keep his military career. Oh, shit. Government conspiracy. Yeah, dude. The military is hiding all sorts of stuff from you guys. Yeah. One of them. Wake up, sheeple. (laughs) <laughs> this person on the internet's dad's friend uh-huh. saw and talked to people. Yeah, they were men in black. Mm-hmm. And they threatened his government job. Mm-hmm. His military career. Yeah. He at fought for point, those stars. At he that gave point, a lot for those stars. But then you have to you have a decision to make. You either just sweep it under the rug. And go on being a big military guy, or you quit. I don't know how you quit the military, but you do. And then you go tell everybody what you saw. Yeah. And then you're that guy. Nah, because then they so. kill you right away. They, they just kill you. Oh, is that what happens? They just kill I'm sure. you. I'm sure. I'm mm. sure. Well, I have another story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is called... The Beast of Jovadon. <laughs> I doubt that's how you pronounce it, but it's a... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Jovadon. Jovadon. I kind of look like that's my name. If I was European, <laughs> my name was Jovadon. Yeah. Well, my name is Jovadon. How's it going? I hate it. Okay. In the in 18th century Jovadon, <laughs> this is French, an idyllic country territory in France, a horrific series of slangs and scary stories. I bet you feel bad now about a killer had residence. I'm from the Morocco in France, <laughs> <laughs> but the perpetrator was believed to be not a man but a beastly monster that resembled a wolf. The first victim was Jean Boulet, a 14-year-old shepherdess who mysteriously found, was found dead in 1764 with her throat ripped out. Then, <gasps> another teen victim was discovered a month later. The second victim allegedly described their killer as a horrible beast before taking their last breath. Hundreds more were mauled by, with their throats or chests ripped out. Creepy stories from those who claim to have survived or witnessed the attack described an enormous wolf-like animal with black fur, a large chest, and a mouth full of sharp teeth. 
These witness accounts peppered the newspapers, which quickly dubbed the murderous creature as the Beast of Javadan. Locals organized... Are you mocking my pronunciation right now? No, I... That was flawless. Javadan. Javadan. Locals organized hunting parties. It immediately makes it not scary. <laughs> if you're a monster and you're in Jovandan, it's like, oh, what are you? The it, literal cookie monster? Is that what it, you are in Jovandan? It's a romantic monster. Just ripping throats. Locals organized hunting parties in the wake of the brutal killings. Jean-Baptiste Dumel, an infantry leader of the local militia, organized 30,000 volunteers to hunt down and kill the beast with the promise of a year's salary as a reward. Still, the hunting campaigns were unsuccessful and the body count continued to grow. According to the scary stories that spread across the countryside, a farmer named Jean Chastel, everyone was named Jean, who lost Everyone many has wild names in France, dude? <laughs> who lost many loved ones to the beast of Jovatan, decided to take matters <laughs> to his own hands. He allegedly wandered into the mountains armed with nothing but a pistol and some silver bullets. After taking a rest to read the Bible, as you should, mm-hmm. in the hopes oh, of man, luring boy, am I tired on this walk? <laughs> but I better sit down and you know what. You know, Gird my uh, loins with some biblical scripture. <laughs> I think I might do that. <laughs> After taking a rest to read the Bible in the hopes of luring in the creature, the alleged beast appeared in front of the him. The devil hates seeing a Christian man <laughs> that beast pursue of, the Lord. The, the beast of Jovadan hates a reading. He loves, he's a romantic monster. He says, I love you on the first date, and he hates it when people read their Bible. (laughs) Somehow, Chastel managed to shoot and kill the beast, triumphantly presenting it later to the king. Some claim that a cornucopia of human remains tumbled out of the wolf's stomach when it was cut open. These creepy stories famously inspired 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 robert louis stevenson's 1879 book travels with a donkey in the chevin pop culture adaptations i do love that i love that one travels with a donkey in chevin 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 historians have yet to agree on what exactly happened at javadan some say it was simply mass hysteria and the murderous pack of wolves or lions that likely caused the killings were exaggerated into a monster. Nevertheless, one thing remains clear. An estimated 300 people were brutally killed during that tragic period. Perhaps the true scary story is that nobody will ever know what caused those very real deaths. The beast of Jean Van Damme. Jean Van Damme. Uh, Feels like I would be watching like a perfume commercial. Yeah, that's the way he does. Jean Van Damme. Well, you know, sometimes you need part-time jobs to make ends meet. Uh, I have several others, but I, uh, they're not as long. Have you ever heard of the Dancing Plague of 1518? No. Uh, hundreds. Wait, that's what they made Footloose about, right? Sure. That's Dancing what Footloose. <laughs> that would be a much darker movie. Uh, the Dancing Plague of 1518, in which we hundreds... can't stop. 
hundreds of citizens of Strasbourg then blah 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 danced uncontrollably and apparently unwillingly for days on end. The mania lasted for two months. Uh, let's see. On July, in July, fifteen eighteen, a woman whose name was given as Frau Trofeta stepped into the street and began dancing. She seemed unable to stop, and she kept dancing until she collapsed from exhaustion. After resting, she resumed the compulsive, frenzied activity. She continued this way for days, and within a week, more than 30 other people were similarly afflicted. They kept going long past the point of injury. City authorities were alarmed by the ever-increasing number of dancers. The civic and religious religious leaders theorized that more dancing was the solution so they arranged for guild halls for the dancers to gather in musicians to accompany the dancing and professional dancers to help the afflicted to continue dancing this only exacerbated the contagion Gia wonder why and as many as 400 people were eventually consumed by the dancing compulsion a number of them died from their exertions in early september the mania began to abate the 1518 event was the most thoroughly documented and probably the last of several such outbreaks in Europe, which took place largely between the 10th and 16th centuries. The otherwise best known of these took place in 1374. So this has happened before. Contemporary explanations for the dancing plague included demonic possession and overheated blood. Investigators in the 20th century suggested that the afflicted might have consumed bread made from rye flour contaminated with the fungal disease ergo, which is known to produce convulsions. American sociologist Robert Bartholomew posited that the dancers were adherents of heretical sex dancing to attract divine favor. Uh, the most widely accepted theory was that of American medical historian John Waller, who laid out in several papers his reasons for believing the dancing plague was a form of mass psychogenic disorder. So, blah, blah, blah. Such outbreaks take place under circumstances of extreme stress and generally take form based on local fears. This is um, all real. This actually happened. This is happened. real. People just started dancing until they died for no reason. Time out, time out, time out. Okay. Uh-huh. So I have one. <laughs> what year was this again? 1500s? 1518. Okay. So one of the theories is that it was just convulsions. <laughs> and it yeah. was the 1580s. I love that theory because it's like, well, they're not dancing well, so it might not be dancing. Yeah, they were just like, oh, everyone's moving. Yeah. Rhythmically, sort of. Not really. It's randomly, sporadically. Ugh. Everyone's dancing, I guess. And you know what the solution should be? More dancing! <laughs> we gotta fight fire with fire. Yeah, that's why I just... It's its so bizarre. So or just the whole town lost their minds? Is, or humans, you know how, like, developmentally, as humans, we were, like, in the 1500s, it's not... It's not, like, civilization as we view it today. Sure. Maybe one person started dancing, and like everyone started dancing, and everyone was like, "Fuck, we dance now!" Like this is <laughs> this we're just is programmed thing. to like group up and not be different. And then it became a competition. Oh and it's yeah. Like, hey, who can last the longest without dying? <laughs> or a bunch of like rich people just looked at a town yeah. and was like, "Do you think we could get the whole town to start dancing somehow?" <laughs> They're like, "I think we fucking could." I feel like. That is around the time where it would be like this is of the de it's of the devil. The devil is bedeviling them into dancing. 
Oh, the devil is here. <laughs> and then they just kept dancing. They couldn't stop. Won't couldn't stop. stop. Um, <laughs> if it <we> lose. <laughs> and you're right. That's the documentary about the dancing plague of 1518. Uh... Kevin Have Bacon. You, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Bacon was one of the most famous victims. He's he died in, in real 1518. life. Yeah. Uh like Tupac hologrammed him in all those movies. Mm-hmm. He's um and he's still acting today, his hologram. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Philadelphia experiment? Um, yes. Yeah? Describe I it to so. me. No, the isn't that the one where they put him all in the room and they like Told him like you're. We're just not gonna let you sleep. No. Uh, I don't remember what that was, but I do. That was the. That was a fake story. Was this the prison one? No. Oh. Uh, that's the Stanford Prison Experiment by Philip Zimbardo, which my. <laughs> so, Philip Zimbardo is the dude responsible for the Stanford Prison Experiments. My teacher. I think they were trying to, like, integrate a psychology program in my high school, and we were kind of the guinea pigs. My teacher would show us videos from Philip Zimbardo, like, they were teaching materials, and we're like, What? This is the dude who, like, famously committed a big fuck-up, and you're like, here, let him teach you. Dude, it's wild because that's the thing is like it is a fuck up, but people view it as like this like moment in history, like it's like a cool thing that he did almost. I it's mean, not. he discovered something, but uh not, not <laughs> yeah. Uh Anyway. Anyway, the Philadelphia experiment was so this is a big long article. I'll try to summarize. Um I think it has since been proven as a hoax. Um, but there's always that, you know, you know? So, there was this, uh, idea that the U.S. Navy was trying to create some kind of cloaking device for their ships. Like, they, they wanted to make them essentially invisible so they could be used for, like, wartime espionage. Uh, so there was this guy named Alan Jessup, who began he he was like a a sailor and he started writing to authorities that like he knew about this technology and there were all these experiments going on uh and he said that they had managed to actually do it um they had made a ship invisible and inexplicably it like disappeared altogether and showed up hundreds of miles away and people, the sailors on board were, like, fused to the ship. Like, they had gone through some kind of space-time warp. And Whoa. they were, like, embedded in the ship somehow. And, like, like almost like the sailors and the pieces of the ship had, like, combined DNA. Yeah, like they split their atoms apart yeah. and brought them and back then, together. Exactly. Uh, so... People are like, well, obviously this guy is just crazy, but me, uh, who knows, maybe? Yeah, we, hey, <laughs> jury's out. Jury's out. It's any, again, anything that involves, like, possible military cover-ups, I'm more likely to believe. Uh, <laughs> I have two more here. 
So we're just gonna blast on through. I <laughs> I saw this mentioned in a couple different articles, so I had to look it up. Um, these these little guys they're called melon heads. Uh, in the American folklore of Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut, melon heads are beings generally described as small humanoids with bulbous heads who occasionally emerge from hiding places to attack people. Different variations of the legend attribute different origins to the entities. So, the melon heads of Michigan are said to reside around Felt Mansion, although they've also been reported, reportedly seen in the southern forested areas of Ottawa Country. According to one story, they were originally children with hydroencephalitis who lived at the Junction Insane Asylum near Felt Mansion. The story explains that after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral and were released into the forest surrounding the asylum. The Allegan County Historical Society asserts the, the asylum never existed, although it was at one point a prison. However, the story has been part of the local folklore for several decades. Lake Town Township manager Al Meshkin told the Holland Sentinel that he had heard the tales as a teenager, noting that his friends referred to the being as wobbleheads. Some version of the legend say the children once lived in the mansion itself, but later retreated into the system of caverns or caves in a nearby hill left over from an abandoned zoo. Some versions of this legend say the children devise a plan to escape and kill the doctor that abused them. It is said the children had no place to hide the body, so they cut it into small pieces, which they hid around the mansion. Rumors exist that teenagers who had broken into the mansion saw ghosts of the children and claimed to see shadows of the doctor's murder throughout the light coming from an open door. That's the spooky. That's <laughs> the spooky. Yeah. The legend has spread through the region, even becoming the subject of a 2011 film simply titled The Melonheads. The melon heads, dude. It also, it kind of like is like Stranger Things almost. They're getting tested. Kinda. Yeah. Like, I kind of uh, like the melon heads. I like that lore. <laughs> right? They're taking revenge. They, I, this just described them getting revenge on the doctor who experimented on them. So right on. Yeah. Good uh, on them. Pro melon heads. <laughs> so here, that was Michigan. In Ohio, they're associated with the Cleveland suburb of Kirtland. According to local lore, the Melonheads were originally orphans under the watch of a mysterious figure known as Dr. Crow, sometimes called Crow, 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 or Dr. Melonhead. Crow is said to have performed unusual experiments on the children who developed large, hairless heads and malformed bodies. Some accounts claim that the children were already suffering from hydrocephalitis and that Crow injected even more fluid in their brains. Eventually, the legend continued. The, kil the children killed Crow, burned the or orphanage, and retreated to surrounding forests to supposedly feed on babies, which, that's a little presumptuous, I think. Yeah, dude, that sounds like they needed a spicy ending. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, none of this says what they do. Like, their origin stories are the same, but I don't think they've actually really done anything to anybody. They just people just see them in the in the woods. In the they hills. just go like Lord of the Flies, just a bunch of like <laughs> feral children. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's okay. Uh, there's something called Dracula Drive. A number of Connecticut-based legends of the Melonheads have one characteristic in common: the inclusion of a secluded, rustic, or single-lane, usually dirt road, running through the Melonheads' wooden territory. N Many towns in Fairfield County and New Haven County have rural and forested sections, and it is not uncommon for these forests to have rural roads 
running through them. These roads at times are associated with the local variation of the Melonhead legend and are said to be part of the Melonhead's territory. In a number of towns such as Newton, New Milford, Shelton, Trumbull, and Monroe, several legends place the Melonhead's territory around the mysterious and mythical street commonly referred to as Dracula Drive. None of the towns that have a Melonhead legend have roads designated as Dracula Drive. Depending on what version of the legend is told, one of several existing streets are mistakenly referred to or coincidentally coincide with the Dracula Drive mentioned in the Melonhead stories. Nobody, it's not, it doesn't say why it's called Dracula Drive. Dude, we're That's getting, just... I think that people are <laughs> writing scary stories and they're teasing. They're like, uh, they're they're using this season and they're they're tricking us. They're giving uh, us none I'm gonna of the have juicy to... deets. We're going to have to check with Mike about the Melonheads, because he's from I, Connecticut. I <laughs> That'd be sick if that's like a Connecticut legend. I guess so. It seems like a very, uh, I was going to say Midwest, but Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut. Somehow, they're, they're the Melonheads. The most Midwest free. of the East. Tell us if you've ever seen a Melonhead. <laughs> Comment down below. Comment down below. Okay, I have one last story to wrap to wrap this. And uh, all of the articles that I've just read, I've barely proofread. So, <laughs> like, great. I said on this podcast. Hell yeah! So this I have actually heard of, but haven't really looked into. It's called the Beast of Bray Road, also known as the Bray Road Beast and the Wisconsin Werewolf. It's a humanoid wolf-like creature allegedly witnessed or in or near the rural community of Elkhorn, Walworth County, Wisconsin. It has since become a part of Wisconsin folklore and has been the subject of multiple books, documentary, and a 2005 horror film. Named for the farm road in which it was first allegedly sighted, reports of the creature in the 1980s and 1990s prompted a local newspaper, the Walworth County Week, to assign reporter Linda Godfrey to cover the story. Godfrey was initially skeptical, but later became convinced of the sincerity of the witnesses. Her series of articles later became a book titled The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. Uh, the Beast of Bray Road is most often described by alleged witnesses as a large, between 6 feet and 7 feet tall, with a humanoid-style body covered in fur or hair, and with a head resembling a wolf or bear. It is purported to have been seen moving as both a quadruped and a biped, and some reports describe it more closely to resembling a traditional werewolf or Bigfoot. The creature was allegedly first sighted in 1936. It's been around! In the 1980s, several alleged witnesses reported the beast had made contact with their vehicles, leaving long scratch marks on doors and trunks of vehicles. One witness stated she hit something while crossing Bray Road. Upon exiting her vehicle to determine what she had hit, Supposedly, a large wolf-like creature with red eyes chased her back into her car, leaving claw marks in the rear passenger door. Yeah. Sightings have also been reported during daylight hours, with several witnesses stating they observed an unusually large wolf-like creature running on all fours through cornfields. A lot of shit happens in cornfields. Dude, that's a bit, <laughs> hey, as, let me tell you, yes they do. Yes they Gross. do. Gross. One stated the creature was in pursuit of a deer. Animal mutilations have also been reported in the area around Bray Road with animal remains, including deer and livestock, partially eaten with specific organs removed from the animal carcasses. 
Another witness reported driving down Bray Road late one night and observed an unusually large wolf-like creature eating an animal which had been hit by a car on the side of the road. The creature reportedly ran into the woods as the eyewitness approached it with their vehicle. Reported sighting continue most recently in February 2018 and July 2020 when alleged witnesses observed a large, hair-covered, upright creature in Spring Prairie and Lyon, both in Walworth County. So, there's a werewolf in Wisconsin. Werewolf in Wisconsin. I know that there's a... I'm gonna, I think, like, right after this, I'm going to watch it. There's a, like, documentary-type deal called The Beast of Bray Road that was done by Small Town Monsters, and I want to hear it. It's going to be scary. <laughs> I, I... What is... Okay, what is your level of belief? I think that's one thing that I, so, I would like to know. Okay, so for stuff... Uh, this is a perfect example. So, uh, Small Town Monsters does a lot of these kind of documentaries, series about different, like, cryptids. Mm-hmm. And I really like their... Uh, I said series, and my Siri activated. Um, a lot of... So, the the person who, like, runs the company, his name is Seth Breedlove, he's super, super skeptical. So, like, all of his his approach to it is as a skeptic. So he's like interviewing eyewitnesses and collecting their stories and stuff. So usually like I'm a very, I want to believe type of person. I want to believe there's stuff Mm -hmm. out there that we haven't discovered, but for stuff like werewolves, I'm like, okay, it's gotta be something else. Um, but small town monsters has, a a movie called American werewolves, I believe. And I started watching it thinking this is about werewolves, but it took a turn to be like, this is about skinwalkers. And skinwalkers are something that genuinely terrify me. And um, do you believe they're real? I think, I don't know. I don't, I can't say definitively that anything is real, but I think that they're more compelling than a lot of other different creatures to me. Yeah. They stem from, like, native folklore, and, uh, like, there's so many stories out there. There's, like, a subreddit devoted to people telling their their skinwalker sightings, and there's all these, like, skinwalker videos on TikTok that I like to torture myself <laughs> with. Uh, so, yeah, I find them very, very creepy. So, usually with stuff like werewolves and, like, dog creatures and that kind of thing, my first thought is it's a skinwalker. And that's spooky. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I I, well, I listened to a podcast on Skinwalkers, and they they did kind of spook me out too. Yeah. They're like creepy. I just I just I just thought at the end of it I always go well okay. It's that uncanny valley thing where it's like, mm-hmm. it's an animal that's just a little bit wrong. Like yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's a wolf, but it walks on two legs, <laughs> or like just like, has an unnatural on? sound or like bend to its neck yeah so ugh, i don't like it <laughs> i think we got into the spooky mood by the end what what are you looking at me like that for oh there he goes he's a fox i'm a skinwalker oh no your tongue is all the way out oh no it's only appropriate that we end on the same note we started with which is fucking around honestly 
This is a good one. Yeah. And told I some spooky so. stories. I'll try to add some atmosphere and post so you guys are you get that chill. Mm-hmm. You know? You and listen then, to this at night and you get spooked out. Oh man, you're not sleeping tonight. <laughs> Oh, someone's not sleeping tonight. No, it's spooky scary. If you made it to this point, we know one thing's for sure. You're tired tomorrow. <laughs> Is that about people listening or just us? I think it might be me, dude. I, I, I'm, I, I might sleep so hard tonight. I might sleep the hardest I've ever slept. Well, you say that, but you're going to have terrible nightmares about beasts. I know. George Gipp. His trumpet noises. Performance art program they have down at Notre Dame. Yeah, don't sleep outside of an art building. Oh man, you'll end your football career. Uh, but yeah, hey guys, <laughs> that was the episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. B Benny became Jerry Seinfeld. Ah. Follow me on social media at Benny Puzzle on Instagram. Follow me on social media at Felicia Lee on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow our podcast at Spell You Later PC. And you can, uh, you know, get, hey, why don't you give us some suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about? Because yeah. it is becoming increasingly difficult <laughs> to figure out our next episode subject matter. It is. It is. So if there's like something that you want to hear, that's a great idea. That's a wonderful Hell yeah. idea. I'm going to tweet about it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Hey, thank you for joining us on this little casual casual spook time. Uh, if you want to tell us your ghost story, hit us up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Never seen hocus pocus. Morgan trick a treating on Halloween. Felicia uses crystals to focus the energy radiating off moonbeams. Their parents were afraid of the devil. Had them follow very strict routines. Now they're Parents are getting punished for stifling childhood curiosities. Spell you later, it's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, not a religion bashing podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, and it's time to start the podcast. Hey, we did it. We did it, dude. Hell yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> I am actually, like, shot after that. I was like, oh. <laughs> it was fun. Was a like, lot of I, energy. Yeah. It's like, we, we really, we, hey, we really took it to him, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay.